For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We got our guy Isaac Feldman here who used to work with us. He yeah. works at the Sports Network. He fought last week and won. Winner by knockout from Long Island, New York, Isaac Here's the problem with that. Now with the proliferation of MMA, yes, you ain't got anybody. You have no idea. Because that dude Isaac, who's a great kid, yeah, you'd look at him and go, I'll probably have this guy. I can handle this guy. He'd kill you Meanwhile, in 30 what? seconds. What? Right. Hey! And they're like, I had the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Ike to Gone. What's up, everybody? It's freaking pay-per-view fight week. I know it's been ESPN Plus and ESPN fight week, but is the big ESPN fight week, UFC 251, or as they say on the ESPN Australian broadcast, which we all know the guy I'm talking to, he's a part of, 251. Phil Dropkick Murphy or Phil the Thrill. I haven't decided yet. Obviously, he can make the choice. But we're being joined by Phil Dropkick Murphy. I think that's the winner on Fight Week UFC 251. I'll see if I can stick with that through the, uh, the entirety of this interview. Phil, how you doing, brother? Doing well. And you'll be better than me, whether you say 251 or 251. I have had the hardest time not calling it 252 just because in my head <laughs> – forever international fight week this this year was supposed to be 252 251 it was supposed to be volkanovsky holloway but at perth, perth so in yep. two separate interviews that i've had with gilbert burns and dan hooker i've mentioned 252 and people are just so unforgiving on twitter <laughs> as you know say, i was just gonna i'm just like you know what the check clears like, we know what it is all right 251 aka 252 whatever it's this weekend usman masvidal and it's a stacked card, man. I'm stoked. Wow, Phil, man, you're changing your tune. You're just saying I, what I'm saying is I need gospel. a swear Forget jar or saying. something, dude. <laughs> if I say two five two, just you know, I will, I will donate a dollar to your favorite charity, whatever it is. I just got to like, I need some consequence. So I keep making that mistake. And by the time I get it right, it'll be Sunday, and we'll be on at two fifty two. Exactly, but man, you need to relax. You're sweating already. You got your your Shaq your Shaquille O'Neal towel going. It's hot. It's hot in my basement, and I'm just I'm sweating like Mike Tyson in a spelling bee. I'm sweating like <laughs> I'm sweating like I'm trying to make one eighty five for Saturday. Like I just ate a pizza on a private plane, and I got to get down. I got to get down twenty pounds. But uh, you know, it's it's casual, right? I got my got my t-shirt on you know just just cutting weight here don't mind me i have till friday morning i promised you we would talk some fighting but seriously why are you sweating what exactly were you doing before this i just got i just got a workout in you know i mean nice, i have, nice. I have a nine, nine week old daughter upstairs and uh, so i got to get creative with when i can fit in workout so i knew i was talking to you you know knew i had dinner with my wife so i was like ah oh, split the difference i can do 30 minutes on a stationary bike which is Sorry, a great Mrs. idea Murphy. Except, well, it's a great idea, except like I finished the, the bike like 30 minutes ago and then went and took a shower and I step out of the shower and I'm still just dripping sweat. 
because my, my body temperature is so warm and it is kind of a hot, humid day here in Connecticut. So yeah, man, I just can't, I can't get my body temperature down. Like I'm, I'm in shorts, I'm in a t-shirt. It's just, I, I just, I'm shamelessly bringing the towel, you know, my, my gym towel. So don't mind me here. You know, it might help me like secretly look at my notes if I just forget, you know, fight odds or something. I'm going to see ink on here. your head. Like, yeah, uh, seriously. <laughs> the Ocean's Eleven movie, whenever the guy's like breaking into the casino. But uh, yeah, man, again, thank you uh, for joining me, Bill Dropkick Murphy. Man, this fight got confirmed. You're talking about Jorge Masvidal, who's taking a slice of pizza to the mouth on a private jet. The private jet's cool. The, the picture's cool. I hope he wasn't consuming that entire pie. I understand he stopped in Rome. But all food and 20 pounds cutting aside, man, what are your thoughts from Saturday night? I don't know if you had a Saturday off to hang out and drink some beers. Not sure if you drink or what you're uh, consuming on 4th of July. But what was your uh, take from Saturday afternoon up until uh, when we're speaking now, Tuesday night? Yeah, I mean, it was a chaotic 36 hours. And anybody, whether you were working or not, if you, if you pay attention to the fight game, it was just all hell broke loose with Gilbert Burns' positive test. And anytime a main event's in peril under normal circumstances, it's, it's a scramble by the UFC to try and find somebody who is on weight, available, healthy to step in. You know, they were fortunate in that Masvidal was the first choice. If we rewind a couple months, Super Bowl Radio Row, I was, I was one of the blurry people in the back of that video. Um, but that was the fight to make. And Masvidal had a great second half of 2019, you know, really finally getting to the upper echelon of the sport. This is a guy, I mean, he's fought, obviously, the boat yards and the Kimbo Slice videos. I mean, he, he fought Hafa Sun Xiao in, like, Durham, Georgia. That dude fought at the Playboy Mansion on a Strike Force card. He has paid his dues. And for somebody who was so close to a title shot, an overdue title shot for his career resume, it was unfortunate that, you know, contract negotiations got in the way. Now, thankfully for the UFC, Gilbert Burns had the first half of 2020 that Masvidal had in the second half of 2019. So we're looking around. All right, we have a capable substitute. And in all honesty, maybe a more dangerous opponent for Usman, somebody who knows him better, somebody who has – you know, incredible ground game. I mean, the guy's a Munjiao Jiu-Jitsu world champion. But then, yeah, when Burns when Burns drops out, you're thinking, well, there goes that fight because there is no way they're figuring out how to get Jorge Masvidal to Abu Dhabi. And listen, man, for all the crap that Dana White has taken for continuing on with fights in the midst of a pandemic, they have figured out some things from those first cards in Jacksonville. The promotional acrobatics that the UFC pulled off in 36 hours it is a feat unlike any we have seen in the sport, period. Wow. I can't think of something more. Because think of the normal circumstances, right? This isn't like, hmm, is Anderson Silva available to fight at 205 pounds against Daniel Cormier at UFC okay. 200 on a co-main event? This is not that. This is we have a title fight that's going to sell more pay-per-views, and we're able to do it by sending someone into quarantine in the midst of a pandemic, finding somebody who has stayed in shape, and apparently you know, he's got to cut 20 pounds, but that's doable for a welterweight in six days, especially when he's going to go be sweating his butt off in the desert. Man, they, they pulled it off. It, it was the perfect combination of luck and promotional skill. Hats off to the UFC for, for making it work. Now, please, Jorge Masvidal, make weight. We, you, you have worked your whole career for this title pounds, shot. You have, 20 pounds. You have, did you see Stephen it, A. Smith with that? <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he did ask if he needed to gain or lose 20 pounds. Uh, that was not the best moment. But, yeah, he needs to lose 20 pounds if anybody's curious. Um, but I, he'll do it. I, I think he'll, I think, I don't think he'll have a problem making 170. This is a guy who came up, like I said, he fought half of you with was a bantamweight. They fought at 155. You know, he fought for a strike force title against Gilbert Melendez at 155. So he's, 
he's the 155, 170, or no, he's a full 170, but he's, you know, he's not the tallest guy in the world. He'll make, he'll make the weight. Uh, but now we have, we have a banger of a main event in UFC 251, and it's the third of three title fights that'll happen at, you know, nine in the morning, Sunday morning locally in Abu Dhabi. Ding, 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 ding. First try, one for one. Phil, 44% Murphy and the 44%. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Do you know what I'm referring to with the 44%? No. The cage difference, uh, Jeff Wagenheim oh, yeah, yeah. on the interview, on the, uh, it was like a, I think it was the preview for the Curtis Blades Volkov fight. He was very impressed. He was like, wow, Phil researched that. Like I could just hear Jeff's voice yeah, while he was writing. I had to, uh, I had to remember from my, my high school geometry days, how to find the area of an <laughs> octagon. A square is easy. A circle's not hard. Even a triangle I can figure out. Octagon was tough. I actually found like an app on the internet. Um, and then, you know, the shows I do, Australia, the UK, the Caribbean, where the hell else are we? Uh, Singapore. Um, it's all metric system. So then I had to convert the thing to meters. And it was just, so that's a graphic. If you notice all the graphics they use, they put it in meters. And people were like, why the hell are these ESPN graphics in meters? Just because I had it. I had, I'd done the math. And, you know, the, the, the conversion to feet is a nightmare, back to feet. So, uh, yeah, that was a little bit Amazing. of geometry there. <laughs> Amazing. So Phil, 44% Murphy. There is no excuse for the kids that are doing Zoom classes. I wish I was doing Zoom classes in high school or middle school with <laughs> Google and YouTube. Uh, absolutely no excuse. But uh, Phil, this has been a question on the ESPN MMA podcast, DC and Hawani. This has been on the MMA fighting podcast between the links. How surprised are you that Dana White and or the UFC brass got it done with Masvidal and his team? How surprised? Well, one out of ten. One out of ten. Eight or nine. Thank and I you. mean, it, some people weren't not, surprised by this, and I was like, I, I "Well, was, I mean, it's not just the fact that Masvidal knew he had the leverage, and he could have said, give me the cartoon bag, the bag with the cartoon dollar sign on the side. That that is what I'm going to ask. Like, you know, basically the Patrick Mahomes type leverage. Um, not only did wow. did Masvidal have that kind of leverage, but all of the coronavirus concerns. I mean, because the Emirates could have just said no. And like that would have just shut the door. Um, but thankfully, and, and there, you know, and Ariel Helwani made a great point too. People were like, just do like, you know, almost like an old school WrestleMania two venue type thing, put Usman and Masvidal in the apex. So everybody's watching on Fight Island. Now we go to the apex for the main event. Oh, but the Emirates are like, that's not we're bad. paying the UFC a big bucket of money to, to do Fight Island here, you know, as basically a tourism thing, even though nobody's going to be there, it's still, there are going to be all kinds of tourism opportunities and marketing opportunities for Abu Dhabi. It's like, no, 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 these fighters need to come here. Just make sure nobody in their camps has coronavirus. Now, unfortunately for Masvidal, Mike Brown does. He won't be in the corner, and that's just heartbreaking yep. for him. And that's, that, that's, that's a detriment to him because Brown's one of the, the best coaches in the game. Um, but eight or nine, I would say getting it done. And I, if you ask me what would be a 10 then, I, I don't know if I could tell you. It would just be something so far out of left field. Um, you know, it would be like, the lights go down and by God, that's Brock Lesnar's music and Lesnar's on the card or something. That would be a 10 if, if that happened. You know, if Lesnar were main eventing against, you know, a rematch against Alistair Overeem or something. That's um, fair. But, that's fair. but yeah, I would say, I would say nine is, is a level of surprise for me. And playing a uh, prognosticator. I mean, I think that's just, it, it goes hand in hand with being in the, the fight game and covering mixed martial arts. How big is Mavzadal's star if he does get this belt, the <sighs> an official UFC belt does he crack through that Connor Ronda uh, maybe past John Jones to that Brock Lesnar type of like that that elite group of sellable athlete box office as Stephen A. Smith likes to say it and yeah. vice versa Usman 
who the hell wants to fight him next? Do they just wait on Burns? Do they do Burns Edwards in the meantime and the winner of that? Like, what, what, play a little prognostication with me. Well, I mean, you have to figure how well, – if let's say Usman wins, how, how scathed is he? Is he unscathed coming out of it? Because if he goes and he just, you know, takes down Masvidal in the second round and subs him, well, they could do Burns in October, November, you know, if Usman's ready to come back and, and fight at that point. But if it's five rounds, stand and trade, you know, a, a fight that plays into Masvidal's hands in all honesty and Usman comes away the winner, then, yeah, my, Burns might have to wait till December and then he has to decide if he wants to – face Edwards or face anybody else in this just gauntlet, these killers that are at 170. Yes. But if Masvidal wins, to answer your first question, I can't – he's not going to be at Conor or Ronda's level. They're just kind of in their own stratosphere. I would say maybe a little bit below John Jones because I think part Ooh, of what plays wow. into Jones's allure is that he just is – most people recognize him as the men's goat. Um, I mean, kind of being that, like that Ron – that Amanda Nunes, John Jones level where – if you put Jones, I mean, Jones sold like 450,000 pay-per-views against OSP for a fight that had like zero demand. Any fight you make now for Jones, whether it's Reyes or even a Santos rematch or gosh, DC3, that's not going to happen. But any of those are going to be like high six-figure pay-per-views. I would guess this one's going to be like six or 700K. Uh, and that's, that's part. I'm, I'm going to disagree I, I on think that, man. Gaethje Ferguson was 700. And this yeah. is similar circumstances with the uh, us Craven sports. And now you got... Who's the biggest name value out of the four? Usman, Gaethje, Ferguson, Masvidal, right? Do, do we crack a million? Yeah. I don't think – I think I'm, I'm, Man, you, you know who I work for. I would love it to be a million. I would love it to be a million. But if we're, if we're saying over under 750, I would probably take the under. I might get good Ooh. odds on it, but I would, say, I would say just under. But it should be more, right? And that, that's why I'm so happy to see Masvidal in this position because he's a guy who has paid his dues. Um, I mean, dude, dude's fighting on Bodog fights in St. Petersburg, Russia. Like, he's been, like I said, Playboy Mansion. Like, he's been around, dude. So, to see him get this a, opportunity. Uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, an autocorrect. When you wrote Boatyard, I was like, oh, he means backyard. And I was like, there's no way he's fighting with guys, like, on a dock with boat shoes. No, I was like, Masvidal. I was like, Boatyard. I was like, that's some, like, street fighter type of stuff. No, was, they, they have fought in boatyards. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's sand and fenced off, and you see boats and stuff. <laughs> Dude, go, go down the Kimbo Slice rabbit hole. Yeah, there were backyards. I think he debuted in a backyard, but he graduated to a boatyard. And then he, you know, like, I mean, those Kimbo fights were just, you know, stuff of YouTube legend. Yeah. But, you know, that was, that was how, you know, I think they called him Ponytail back then instead of Game Red. <laughs> um, and, yeah, he fought on Bellator 1, did Masvidal. I mean, he's, he's been around. So for that guy to get that due, and again, like, you know, his record isn't the sexiest, but he's, he's always taken tough fights and he hasn't, he hasn't really cowered from anybody. So if he wins, you know, the UFC can do a number of different things. They could put him against Burns, depending on the circumstances of the fight. If it's a great fight, maybe they do an immediate rematch for Usman, um, you know, or, or Leon Edwards. Obviously, there's some bad blood there, and Edwards has, has earned a title shot, three-piece in a soda. I mean, I, I should have wore that shirt, dude. Oh, I have, you have, actually have I have a three-piece in a soda Amazing. shirt. There's some great UFC shirts out there, by the way. I'm going to go ahead and just make a shameless plug. I don't know if I should, but Angela Hill's uh, USADA shirt with the dare graphics where it's like resist, <laughs> resisting drugs and promoting violence. Angela, I'm donating $20 to your friend because uh, that is a cool shirt and I'm going to have it in my possession. Amazing. Um, so, yeah. So, I got I to go find my three-piece in a soda shirt. I should have wore that one. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, great. it's great for Masvidal. I would say – I would say I'm going to stick with 700K. Hopefully, I'm, hopefully you're right. Hopefully, I'm wrong because, again, you know who I work for. But uh, I think that's what it does. And then if he wins, then, yeah, then, then he'd kind of be in that, you know, John Jones light category where it's 
people would say, yeah, he's not as complete of a fighter as is John Jones, but he carries that McGregor-esque demand. Um, and the yeah. UFC has always been looking, searching for like a Latino star. You know, they started to go down that road with Cain Velasquez. Now they got a guy who is, you know, proud Cubano, Miami, like fully bilingual. Like, I mean, that he is a superstar. Um, you know, whether it's a flying knee or a rodilla voladora, like you have the guy there who's just, who is extremely marketable. Um, and I would love to see him, you know, it, it would be good for the sport for him to win. That's nothing against Usman because Usman as a mixed martial artist is so complete. Dude's 11 and 0 in the UFC. And, and Isaac, I don't know if any of those fights have been close. Like I, I'm thinking back, I don't, I, I'm going to go out. I don't think any of them, I'm just going to say it confidently. He's 11 and 0 in the UFC. And none of those fights have been particularly close. Nope. In, and he's only in this, been probably like 30, the second 40%. deepest division, maybe third deepest division in the UFC on any yep. given day. It's top. It's definitely top three. Dude's just mowed people down. Um, what he did to Tyron Woodley is just so darn impressive, and that that's why he's a three to one favorite in this fight. Wow. Yeah, I agree with that. I can't even think of a close fight. I mean, I guess the Covington, right? It was, it was back and forth. It would have been a close. But I mean, even even if even without the stoppage, she was winning. I think he was going to get them because let's say that round that fifth probably would have been a 10-8. He's getting a at worst at worst a majority decision with one forty nine forty six on there. So, or sorry, it would have been a forty nine forty five. Yeah, and then it was like a forty a forty seven forty seven with a ten eight. I just got into a Twitter argument about this with oh, somebody. I was going to say, that, dang man, that was the seventh. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I mean, I was at that. I was at that fight. You know, we covered that closely because that was Volkanovski Holloway one. Yep. Um, so I was there. I was there for Australia. Um, but yeah, that was. He it was it was competitive. It wasn't a beatdown, but it wasn't like he. There was no question when we went to the scorecards who was getting their hand raised. It was going to be Usman. Yeah, exactly. I think Mark Goddard uh, got a little unfair criticism from uh, yeah. Mr. Colby Covington. Again, we're being joined by Phil, forty-four percent Murphy. Uh, the Henry Cavill of the MMA media community. When I was joined by uh, Keanu, uh, Keanu Reeves, when I was joined by Brett Akamoto a couple of years ago, I called him. I was like, Brett, I was like, you are the Keanu Reeves of the MMA uh, community. So now we're we got Superman, and uh, I hope. See, this- I, I appreciate that because uh, there have been a lot of people in the YouTube comments, the videos that I do, who call me a less handsome Brett Okamoto. And if we're gonna what? put Henry Total Cavill different if, classes, if people are gonna John put Henry Wick. Cavill against Keanu Reeves, I would say Superman. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit of redemption here. Now, Brett is, Brett is a diabolically handsome fellow. I didn't take it as an insult. But if you're going to do celebrity lookalikes, I think I have the as, – as the tag team, I would take our collective body of work over theirs. I'm going to have to give Hawani then Stanley Tucci. Right? Who would be <laughs> – is Adrian Brody a bad <laughs> – I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, uh, my last thing on the main event in the Mazadal, man, is this a, is he just like emotional right now? Like, let's play a little psychology. Is he, uh, is he just like, I, this is my Super Bowl. Like every day for him is a Super Bowl. Like basically whenever somebody gets the Amanda Nunes fight, they're basically like, oh man, I can't just wait for the experience. They don't even think about winning. On Saturday night, do you think that Masvidal believes he's going to win this, or he's just like, yeah. "Hey, I got nothing to lose," like Daniel Cormier is saying? No, no, I think I think he's going in there thinking he's going to win. He's a guy you've ever spent any amount of time Why talking he to. Him? Pizza, he is... then that drives me nuts. That drives well, me one, nuts. we don't we don't know that he ate the pizza, right? His his Fair. agent says he ate the pizza, but Fair. you know, I I don't know what the circumstances are. Like, yeah, I wanted to take a pit stop in Rome for pizza, or maybe it was a Sounds private cool. plane, a small plane that had to refuel. Stopped at Rome Airport. Maybe had to check in you know, get sprayed or temperature. And they, they had a pizza on board and he's, he's playing around a little bit. I, 
I don't I know. Hope. Or maybe he just, or I mean, again, these guys, these guys are allowed cheat meals. If he stepped on the scale and he's like, yeah, I'm 188 today. All right. I, I'll have a quarter of a slice of pizza and then start chugging my water and then spike my sodium, spike the water, cut the sodium, cut the water, flush it out. These guys, he's a pro. I don't think he's ever missed weight. He's again, he's a guy who used to fight at 155. So you're not so going to make any a... excuses for him Saturday night. He gets beaten fair and square, even if it's a yeah, Curtis he... Blades type Volkov type of fight where it's a just drag him out, drag him to the mats, lay and pray type of fight. Yeah. You're giving all the credit to Usman. Yeah, like part not... of me would part of me would wonder if if Masvidal knew three weeks ago that he was fighting Usman, would it have been different? It's impossible not to, to go there. But again, we rewind, what, six weeks? I mean, Masvidal was thinking this was the fight that was going to happen. He was actively negotiating. He was taking a hard stance. And the UFC said, well, we'll, we'll call up Edwards. Oh, he's not available. Gilbert Burns. Gilbert, you're in. And Jorge's like, all right, well, uh, from what we've heard, he's been staying in shape and he's been staying in the gym. Maybe not, you know, camp, but – to be honest, maybe that's better for his body. Sometimes it's good for these guys to downshift and be a little bit more fresh. Now he goes in, just cuts weight. He's ready to rock. And again, I mean, he, he will have his hands full with Kamara Usman. It's not like Usman's an easy out. Like, again, Masvidal's a three-to-one underdog. So if, if Usman goes and just, you know, beats him, let's say it's exactly like the Tyron Woodley fight, right? Two right. guys stand across from each other and he five can't get off that rounds. shot. He closes the distance. It's then the Up round starts the fence, like a Chael Sonnen type of Anderson Silva fight. Yeah, boring. it's just like, goodness, like this guy just can't get off of him. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not going to surprise us. And I don't know if that would have surprised us if, if Masvidal had a, had a camp. The only situation I would say if it, I might go there, like the hypothetical, is if it's a very, very close fight, like a razor-thin split decision loss or something like the furthest we've seen Usman pushed, then I think it would be fair to say, golly, what if he had two more weeks to prepare for this guy? Could he have gotten his opportunity – and the nice thing about it is, if he does that, I think he might get the opportunity anyway. I think what they might do is one of these, like, welterweight Grand Prix cards in November. Main event, Usman, Masvidal 2, co-main, Edwards, Burns, or Burns, Edwards, however they want to do the A-side for that. So, And then if somebody, if somebody falls out of the main event, you can kind of, you know, shift people in. But. Amazing, man. Amazing. Uh, I don't know what the, the bookies are saying right now. Do you think Masvidal comes out with that, uh, that just sprinting strike, the knee or the kick to the groin like the Darren Till strike? What do you think? <laughs> do you think he is going to sprint out? Because he's done it in his last three fights. I mean. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you'd think he's going he's gonna to swing for the fences early. But against somebody who is as experienced, you know, Division II national champion at Nebraska Kearney, um, as is Kamara Usman, I, I think it would be – wise for Masvidal to stay measured and try to keep it at distance. It's in the standard size octagon again, right? 44% bigger. Yep. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if we'll see a flying knee out of the gate. Um, you know, I think that was then as maybe a special, special thing for Ben Askren. But again, a, the great thing about Jorge Masvidal is you, you never expect it. I was in the tunnel at international fight week last year, 239 coming around the corner. And I, I saw one of the TVs like, Oh, fight's about to start. And like, I, I literally had, 60 feet to walk before I could have seen the octagon and I didn't make it before oh. I just heard the place erupt and yeah, missed, missed the moment. It's a little worse than like walking up to get a hot dog or something from the, uh, the <laughs> grandstand. And you're well, like, I was oh, doing it's... a, I was doing a bottle cap challenge with Israel Adesanya. So we yeah. were in the back oh, doing the bottle oh, cap oh, challenge. Name dropping, name dropping. And well, I mean, that, that's what I was doing. And you can kick like, that hot man? It? Or was I, it a I, kick? I, yeah. No, it was a spinning back kick. I, I, I tweeted the video yesterday um oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so uh it was my 
Well, I, and the video is, I got it in my second attempt, but I, I want to break down the head movement of the bottle on the first attempt, because a few of us did it. It was uh, me, uh, Chael, Brett, and Brett, I felt bad for him. He hit it clean, but the cap stayed on. Wait, is Brett a martial artist now too? Is he actually John no, Wick's? But, but <laughs> no, but he, but I mean, he, he actually had like a decent, like, it, well, he didn't embarrass himself. He held his own. I'm not a mixed martial artist either, right? I hit the bag every now and again. But of the three of us, I was going to call you really actually, modest, man. I was going to call you extremely modest. You're like, yeah, well, I don't not. train. And then all of a sudden, throw him spinning back kicks on a bottle. For me, this sound, it sounds like the hardest thing in the world. Like, how many tries did it take you? Two. Well, it's the first try. Um, <laughs> you, you come, well, here's the thing. I played, I played soccer my whole life. So, you know, I, like anytime I hit the bag, I, my kicks don't look terrible. I've never trained taekwondo, karate, any of it. But, you know, if I hit the bag, I don't look like a, a total jerk, like when I throw kicks. So I've thrown a spinning back kick or like a push kick or, you know, side kick, whatever on a bag. So Chael did it. And our poor producer, Brittany, he like crushed her hand, like just <laughs> hit it. So she was a little gun shy. So when I did it the first time, I mean, it, it, I felt like the bottle just went like this. And I went, I was like, I got that. And I said, I told her, I was like, Britt, don't move. And so I did it again and then hit the, and I was just so jazzed. I like, you know, started like ground and pounding the bottle. <laughs> um so we did that <laughs> and then i was like all right let me go check the uh the mazadal askrin fight we were going to be cage side and I, I i had like 60 feet of tunnel to walk out of t-mobile arena and i didn't even make it around the corner and the place just erupted and i was like oh wow i, yeah, I mean just, I, what are you gonna it, do it's a it's a debate man it, i think the bottle cap is harder than uh landing a knee on somebody who's gonna shoot like, I, I think well, yours, yours is harder. Nah, yeah, I, I, I'll let you say that, and we'll just go with it. Exactly, exactly. All right, moving on. This is a, a fight I'm sure you've been covering. As you said, you were in person for uh, UFC 245. Volkanovski, Max Holloway, number one. It was a very, very close decision. I don't know why. I was arguing with people on Twitter that they underestimated. I think it was the 70-something leg kicks from Volkanovski. I think people, even the judges, well, thank goodness they gave credit to the kicks. But people on Twitter, they, uh, I think they took some credit away from Volkanovski. How, how is thank this? You. Uh, is, is Max <laughs> going to check? Oh, you're welcome, man. I was literally, it was Instagram, actually, and just arguing back and forth. Like, oh, I'm watch with you. you. And I'm like, that, yeah, the I kicks did more damage. He had to switch his stance. I was stunned to hear 48-47, and if memory serves, I think I heard it twice on two of those scorecards. Yep. I mean, I, I was scoring it live. Pretty I, sure. gave, I gave Max a second round. When he switched to southpaw, Alex had a little bit of trouble adjusting because his, his, that calf kick was having to go that much further to get to it. Yep. But then he kind of would faint low, outside foot, go high. And he had this, like, swooping, like, kind of, like, right hook that was just finding a hole all day. And Max didn't have an answer for that. So I was like, all right, round one to Volk, round two to Max, three, four, five, Volkanovski, easy as. Yeah. There, four, you win her by, you, you know, the scorecard's 49-46. All right, he won 48-47. 48-46. Goodness. And so Eugene Behrman was actually talking with Brett today, and he, like, Alex is offended that people are remembering this as a close fight because they look at the score. And he's like, no, 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 I want to leave no doubt. And I think that could be bad for Alex. I talked to him about this too. Ooh. And he's like, no, I, I, like, now I need to finish him. Now I need to prove a point. When everybody at his gym was saying he was holding back, Max was trying to get him into a dogfight, and Volkanovski was holding back, and that was the best thing for him because I think Max is a better fighter. Alex is a better mixed martial artist, and this is a mixed martial arts fight. So if you want to get there and swing with Max the whole time, you know, trying to get him to engage when 
Alex hit him with, uh, I think, like an, an elbow, like an overhand elbow. And Max said something like, feed me, feed me. And he starts going like this. <laughs> and they were talking to each other. Max was trying to have his, um, gosh, who was it? Was it Lima? Uh, or uh, Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas. When he fought Ricardo Lamas yeah. and they pointed and he's like, swing. Yeah. The whole time he was trying to get Alex to engage with that because he knew if they continued like they were going, I mean, Alex was going to chop him down. He was faster and he was able – he actually has a reach advantage. It doesn't seem like he does, but Max is a tall guy with short arms, whereas Volkanovski's the other way around. He's a short guy, but he has abnormally long reach. He actually I have a, has a whole two theory inch reach about that. I think like whole, yeah, you, you Anderson think Silva, slender. I think they need yeah. to measure from like chin to chin, like how we used to do in high school. Like I, I don't think yeah. the the width needs to be straightforward. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's a fair point. It's and, and that's a valid point. But either way, like Volkanovski was able to get in and out. And what a lot of these CKB guys do, we, we're trying to like figure it out, right? Like the L, the L steps and like hitting on the half beat and faint low, throw high. And any, anytime you mention that to any of them, like they're like, yeah, but it's a little bit more intricate than that. And it is. It's, it's beyond my ability to see no matter how many times I watch the tape. And it's beyond everybody's ability to see because they're what, 19 and two as a gym since the start of 2019 between Rydell, Kaikara France, Dan Hooker, Volkanovski, yeah. Israel gym of the year you I mean or yeah. a coach of the year Eugene Behrman but Volkanovsky was working with Eugene Behrman over zoom like they were talking like you and I are talking now because Volk couldn't go from Sydney to Auckland so he was training at freestyle fighting in Wollongong in New South Wales and Australia and then he'd go on zoom and talk with Eugene about strategy and watch tape so he hasn't had the time in the gym with the Dan Hooker and in Israel Adesanya and you know Brad Rydell and all these guys it's been with his own guys, who he has, a, he has a nice little stable, Joe Lopez and them at Freestyle Fighting, but it's just not the same. He hasn't seen Eugene Behrman face-to-face until they met in Abu Dhabi a couple days ago. And I think they're actually still just, just getting out of their quarantine. So, so that's something that's worked against Alex. That plus this constant well, conversation like you're talking about where people are saying, ah, it was a close fight. And Volkanovski like, now I got to go take this guy's head off, which is the worst possible thing he could do. Because I think if he gets that, that's Max's best opportunity is to get into a Ricardo Lamas point at the mat and swing like that's where Alex can get in trouble. And I'm worried it's going to be like DC Stipe one and two where DC won the first fight, you know, overhand elbow, knocked him out. Boom. Second fight, grappling Stipe, 10-8 first round. And then he almost got bored with what was working. He's like, I'm going to go box the boxer. And I'm worried for Alex that if he like gets up one round, two round, he's like, all right, now that I'm ahead, let me show you my power. I'm going to put this guy out and prove him wrong. And he's, he could get caught because Max, Max is still Max Holloway. We forget because this guy's a couple L's on his record recently that this dude isn't arguably the best featherweight we've ever seen. So if Alex stays smart, I think it's 49-46-ish again. But if Max can lure him in, whether that's through Alex's own pride, or that's, that's basically the only avenue I see, that I, I worry that you know we might, have, we might be seeing this fight again as a trilogy with now Max defending the belt yeah i'm a big proponent for trilogies i, I didn't mind it with the uh frankie edgar running back right away with gray maynard or obviously Stepe and dc i think this that's probably it's probably the best trilogy of all time right uh, Stepe and dc i mean unless it's well, an you, absolute you mentioned, dud you mentioned a damn good one off the top with maynard edgar people sleep on that because it's been a while but that was there was a fight of the year in there um that was really really good but in any combat sport it doesn't get better than having two good heavyweights. And right now at heavyweight, it's DC and Stipe, Nganu a level below, and then everybody else. Dude, and it, that's it, the problem with the heavyweight division. 
It's so cool, like being in the time we're in with the UFC. I mean, who knows? Once these guys are all making $5 million, $25 million, maybe everybody learns to wrestle, and it's extremely – not saying wrestling's boring. It could be fun if they learn jiu-jitsu, but maybe it's more boring. Everybody's trying to cash the checks. This could be the the Foreman, Frazier, Ali era with Nganu and Stipe and DC. But anyway, back to the Volkanovski-Holloway fight. If Holloway loses this fight, we've heard this now from Rogan on multiple occasions. I think it's a toss-up for who's the greatest featherweight of all time. If Holloway loses this fight, back-to-back fights against the same guy, is his resume enough to call him the greatest featherweight of all time? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so because Max is still Agreed. 28 years old. I think he turns 29 later this year. Sounds about right. So, so very much in his athletic prime. If he is in his athletic prime, and he has a lot of impressive wins, Jose Aldo twice, I mean, he knocked out Aldo in Brazil, and then he knocked him out again, basically the exact same time of fight in Detroit. And just down the line, and I mean, even his loss to Conor McGregor looks better in hindsight. Um, All the dudes he's just ran through as featherweight champ, as great as that is, well, you look at Volkanovski's resume, well, he knocked out Chad Mendes, and he he handed Aldo a – 30-27 30-27 across the board, decision loss in Brazil, which nobody beats Jose Aldo by decision, and nobody beats him in Brazil like Max did. Well, now, okay, Max Holloway, head-to-head. And Volkanovski would beat him not once but twice, beating him in Vegas, beating him as, as neutral side as you can get, probably, you know, <laughs> equidistant from <laughs> Wanai and, and Wollongong, you know, in Abu Dhabi. What else does Volkanovski need to do at that point? The dude still has one loss on his record. Uh, and it was a long time ago. I mean, he's undefeated in the UFC. And at that point, yeah, there's some compelling fights out there. He could fight Korean Zombie. I mean, he could fight T-City. Like, he could fight the beat. I don't know if I fear any of those guys for him. So all, the only thing you could say for Volkanovski is just, like, quantity of quality wins. Like, he'd beaten all the same guys, and he's beaten Max head-to-head. But there is something to be said about longevity and being a champ for a couple, a couple more defenses. So, I mean, what he's, but then what, what, what's it going to take for him to be the best out there, right? Is it like, yeah, if he beats, you know, Korean zombie, does that put him over the top? It it seems like if that's all it takes, all due respect to Chan Sung Jung, like, then I think he might already be there. Wow. Is, uh, is Connor Aldo out of the mix? Connor seven and oh in featherweight beat Holloway, as you mentioned, but it was a young, well, he never defended the belt as, as much as, I mean, like, yay, yeah, 7-0, and but I'm not going to give him credit for beating Dennis Seaver, Diego Brandau. Like, for me, like, that's all. How pristine the Aldo win was, though? Yeah, that was like, that I'm that just was playing excellent. advocate here. That was, that, was, that, was an, that was an excellent fight. I mean, I don't remember where I was sitting from the day I died. He, he beat Mendez, Mendez by knockout. He beat Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, famously. Uh, great resume, but he didn't defend the belt. Okay. And if, you can't tell me a guy is the best featherweight of all time if he defended the belt zero times. Wow. So What, what about Aldo? Where, do you, uh, where would you put him? You put him a step below well, I, Holloway and Volkanovski. I would have to, I would have to say third, because um, again, oh. it's like he. Yeah. It's not like he lost the belt. Like you know, it's not like he was like thirty-eight years old and losing a step. Like he was still in the window of his prime. Now his body of work beats all those guys just because he did it so long from the WEC. You know, beating Cub Swanson, beating just like, you know, all those guys, just you know, flying knee, eight seconds, isn't that coming to the UFC? Beating Frankie Edgar twice. People forget yeah. that that like that dude's a champion. Um, and he beat him twice. Mendez and, twice. Yeah. And yeah, the first one was a little dubious with the cage grab. Then he's like, all right. And he's got just mow through him. <laughs> um, so his, I would say all those body of work is, is probably more impressive, but he was in his prime and lost to Max twice, lost, lost to Volkanovski once. How can you put a guy with 
like oh collective zero and three head to head against those guys above those guys. So I would say you have to put him third, and then I'd say at the, as we take a snapshot now, Volkanovski one, Holloway one a. That could change, you know, in a couple of days, but I, I don't think it will. I think with Eugene Behrman in his corner, Eugene has a way of saying like, Alex, don't be stupid. Like, you know what it means to be a champion. If it's if we're four rounds in and you haven't put him out, keep doing what you're doing. Get your hand raised, 49, 46. Nobody's going to complain. And so I, I think that's the likeliest outcome for that fight. And so I think when this is when if you and I were to talk next week, I would say we could say pretty comfortably Alex is the best of all time. And uh, Phil, again, thank you for the time, Phil Murphy. Uh, what's the difference between Eugene Berriman and the the uh, the Western or the American coaches and Trevor Whitman, Jackson Wink, who we have, uh, Mark Henry, Mike Brown? What's the difference? The fact that you've kind of had a microscope on that area of the world and that area of the fighters and UG Berriman to be specific. What's, what's the difference? What do you hear? Like, what's the temperament? Like I think Australians and uh, New Zealand's or oceanic people, they're just kind of like a go get it type of people. Like they're so freaking tough yet. So yeah. freaking modest. Like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I guess there's, there is a cultural element to that. And you saw that for a while with the rise of Brazilian MMA, a lot of these guys who came from desperate circumstances and it's like, what is it about the Brazilian fighters? Like, now I just think jiu-jitsu as – this sport has evolved so much before our eyes. I mean, as, as much as, you know, like Dana famously says, combat sports has evolved more in the last 25 years than it did in the last 600 years before it. Maybe it's a bit of an overstatement, but it has evolved a lot to where, um, you know, Maurice Smith beating Mark Coleman, like, taught us, like, wow, kickboxing – a kickboxer actually has a chance against a grappler. Because <laughs> yeah. for a while it was – take them down, literally headbutt the dude and, you know, just smother with ground and pound. What are you going to do about it? And so Maurice Smith, maybe, maybe sure dog did a great profile on him this week or last week um, talking about what that upset meant. And I think it hit the nail on the head for this topic. I think it's pertinent to what you're talking about. This sport has evolved to where it goes like kickboxer and then kind of a back to a wrestler in like the 2010, 2011 timeframe when your champions were Frankie Edgar and GSP and John Jones and all these dudes with, a wrestling base and Demetrius Johnson comes along. Yep. And then it's like almost like more of the kickboxer comes into play. Well, guys are just more, guys are more complete. And as this sport evolves, Eugene has found a little wrinkle with the stand up game that gyms haven't caught up to yet. They will. They'll figure some people will figure it out. And you're going to start seeing, you know, six gun Gibson's boys or Trevor Whitman's boys do. I mean, heck, you might see it now. The elevation guys are having a great little stretch yep. of their own. So, you know, it's, you can look and see some things that they do that are a little atypical. Like I said, instead of circling, it's more of like an L step and all just trying to break the opponent's rhythm and then faint low, go up high or faint high, go low. And again, that's, that is an oversimplification of what they're doing. Um, I haven't figured it out. Right? I would, I would share it, but I think these high, high level striking coaches, you know, Winkle John, Jackson, Whitman, Gibson, Take your pick, Men Mendez, whoever. Yep. Somebody will come along and fix it, and the other gyms will catch up. And then CKB won't have the competitive advantage that it does now. But it's just crazy. You go to Auckland, it's really hard to find this gym. It's a nondescript building at the end of like this. I can't even call it a strip mall. It's like this warehouse. You don't think you're in the right spot. You go inside, you don't think you're in the right spot. It look, they're just like selling boxing gloves. And he turned around the corner and there's like a stationary bike and he turned another corner and then like there's the mat with just champion after champion on it. 
And it's, man, this, this little tiny gym in the middle of nowhere has two champions. And a guy, Dan Hooker, who is like in the deepest division in the sport, not that far off of championship caliber. I mean, he was, you give him 10 more seconds in that second round against Dustin Poirier, he's getting his hand raised. If you make that, if you make that a three round co-main event on any card, well, Hooker's up two rounds to one. We're celebrating Dan Hooker now. It's just Poirier had the better gas tank, you know, was able to, and you know, Hooker got away from his game plan, yada, yada, yada down the line. But the margin was that small for Dan Hooker. That's three guys I just mentioned in one gym. And so, like, I, I think inevitably teams will figure it out and, and catch up. Maybe, maybe this is the week, right? Maybe, maybe Holloway comes out and just starches Alex. I'm like, oh, there goes that. Um, or maybe Paulo Costa beats Israel Adesanya and is like, proves us all wrong. But, you know, until somebody – until people start doing it routinely, they have a nice little competitive advantage. And all those guys play the cards really close to the vest. Um, ESPN Australia did a cool piece. Sam Bruce, who's our reporter out there, did kind of like a film room session with Alex Volkanovsky. And Brucey has a great way of, like, like Ariel does, just making his interviewees very comfortable. Um, and Volkanovsky multiple times was catching himself. He's like, ah, oh, I'm sharing too much. I'm sharing too much. And just stop talking. Because they play their cards very close to the vest. They know there is, there is a secret ingredient to what they do that other teams haven't figured out yet. Hmm. Well, they that's will. Tec- that's technically speaking. What, what would you say that Eugene Berriman – when uh, he's got the guys, I mean, have you, uh, I assume maybe you've been there on an off week yeah. or you just usually there during fight week when it's Australia or have you had a time to speak with Eugene when it's not like ramp up for fight week? What does he like, what's, how does he start the, does he do something cool in practice or does he have a speech? <laughs> like I just, no, I mean, take it's us not, inside it's like, the gym. It's not like Newt Rockney or anything. I mean, Eugene's a super <laughs> soft-spoken guy. If you interview him, he's as nice as can be, but he's not like – you talk to Volkanovsky, you're just like getting soundbite after soundbite. The guy's the most popular guy in the room. Eugene's real quiet. He's so quiet. Very soft-spoken. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I want to know more about those people, the quiet ones. But, but, I mean, there's like this wisdom that he has that the guys just gravitate towards. And a lot of it's this, you know, hey, we're all on equal footing things. They do these drills or everybody lays on their back. But, again, you go into any mixed martial arts gym and, like, there is this kind of mutual respect and leveling of the playing field that goes across whether it's a you know world champion or or an amateur is about to make his or her pro debut there's this teamwork and camaraderie for any successful gym att sanford mma elevation aka i mean black zillions back in the day you go there and there's kind of that vibe and yeah they're always like the some people who don't quite fit that mold but generally speaking the gyms that we know they've developed this team mentality and ckb has done that it wow. works great for Eugene. And I mean, he's, he, and again, they got super generous at this time. Every time I've asked to interview him, he said yes. Every time. Wow. You know, after when, after Felder Hooker, when Dan was taken to the hospital, I'm like, oh, I need to talk to somebody, talk to him about the fight. I mean, he, wow. he had a lot that of guys night, on that, that card. That night? Well, that day. I mean, he, Kai oh, Carr France was on the card, Brad Riddell was on the card, and Dan Hooker was there. Wow. Um, and they all won. So I, I chatted with him after, after the win, and I said, you know, hey, Eugene, how'd it go? And, you know, some of the just you know, some of the colorful moments in the fight and just kind of like corralling these alphas and having them be disciplined mixed martial artists and just kind of that tension with him and you know he's kind of like the cool uncle where it's just you know these guys sometimes act out and he rolls his eyes like Brad Rydell when he was like you know up against a fence in the third round and he's pumping people up and throwing <laughs> downward elbows and Eugene's like just fight the guy celebrate afterwards <laughs> just so anti-Eugene um 
But again, I'm not, I'm not a Eugene Behrman biographer. I've talked to the guy like five times. He's just super generous with his time. And it, you said, you said like, that's the technical side. I think that's what it is. I think he's got, he's got this, you know, technical specialty that has put CKB for the time being a cut above, uh, above all other gyms, just a, a sliver above, but that's all it takes. The margins are small in this game. Wow. And uh, Phil, I know I'm cutting the margin with the time with your wife. Uh, please <laughs> uh, tell her that, uh, I don't know, uh, I, 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 Tegan's got some photos on you and you just have to do this for blackmail. <laughs> just, I'm sure she'd understand. But the, again, thank you, brother, for the time. The, the last topic, the fight, if you can. Are you, we able to squeeze in the Aldo, uh, uh, Peter yeah, Jan I, discussion? Yeah. Well, you were there, UFC 245. Aldo lost, which I can agree with. I, I think Moraes, uh, Marla Moraes, won that first round easily uh Aldo came on in the second and I think uh I think Aldo didn't land a punch till like two or three minutes in in the third round I don't know why Dana people go by Dana all the time that he saw the fight uh, he's up and down like on his phone I'm sure he's calling people he didn't actually see the the blow by blow in that fight but you did Aldo lost you were there does he deserve this shot should they have just done Marias versus Jan as it yeah. was slated for June I think it was supposed to be in Kyrgyzstan and uh like they were had that fight already scheduled. Like, why did it they was, ever skip it? It was in Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, which is the other stand. Uh, is, is it Astana? You're gonna get some emails from Kazakhstan, and they're gonna be pissed. Now, uh, it was supposed to be at Astana Arena, and yeah, that was the no-brainer, right? You have you have Jan against Marais. Marais beats Aldo. They rebook the fight. Marais is healthy, and they drop Marais for Aldo. When he, even they could have dropped Marais for Aljamain Sterling. And I said, all right, well, he just, yeah. you know, beat Corey Sandhagen in seconds. So that makes sense. I think all it is is, is name value, right? That Jose Aldo is Jose Aldo. Again, <sighs> Abu Dhabi's probably playing a pretty penny for us to rebrand. And it's, it's not even an island, by the way. It's more of an isthmus, but that just doesn't flow off the tongue. Quite like fight <laughs> island. Fight is, um, how would you say? Fight isthmus. Um, isthmus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm told by all my Aussie and British friends that oh, Americans man. mispronounce most words. We probably do. But, uh, it would have been amazing to hear Dana White saying that on Instagram, YouTube. And but it is, <laughs> it is cool that Dana, the whole UFC thing, I don't know if you saw that, but the John Oliver UFC. Yeah, uh, shout outs to you, man. That was a, that was a great job uh, asking Dana White about that. Well, the, the cool thing about it is now Dana, they're doing the UFC branded shirts. They have two versions. They have one with Fight Island with like duct tape over top of it. And it says UFC. And then another one is just more of like the basic UFC font, but this is UFSEA. And they're selling the shirts and all the proceeds are going to one of John Oliver's charities. Oh, wow. So that's for, it, it's like, and wow. it's like something, something, you know, with uh, military veterans and stuff. So it's a really cool, really cool deal that they're doing there. Uh, but back, back to your question. Um, marketing matters on this card. You know, Abu Dhabi is, they're, they're, there's an incentive for the UFC to go over there and have four events in 14 days, which is just awesome. Yeah, I heard um, they're locking down restaurants and hotels on like a strip type of thing. And you keep mentioning that, like they, the name value with Masvidal and with Aldo. Mm -hmm. You like how you think this is like cost? Hey, Van Zant, Andrade, Nami Yunus. There's a, it's not accidental that this card is stacked. It's not it's not accidental that this pay per view is is so is so heavily stacked. It's great for us. I don't care what the business dealings are for it. I mean, it's, it's an objectively interesting five fight main card. Amanda Hivas, you know, is, is a heavy favorite, but back to the topic at hand. Um, I do think 
Marlon Marais was hard done. I do think Aljamain Sterling is hard done. But I think we're forgetting about who Jose freaking Aldo is. And I'm looking at the odds, and he's only like plus 180. And that's, that's scary low for how people are saying this guy doesn't deserve this shot. I would say bet the and, underdogs on this card. And I, I was there. I'm with you. I think Marish won a close decision 29-28. If you said, Aldo won that decision, I wouldn't fight you. It was a close fight. It was, it was a, you know, it's not a robbery either way. So Aldo still, still got it. And, you know, if, you, if that coin landed heads instead of tails, well, now all those 29-28 went over Marish, and none of us are complaining about him being here. And these odds would probably be a little lower. So the price for Aldo, if you can get that at 2-1, to one, I would say have one because all due respect to Jan, I mean, his win over Uriah Faber is fine. You know, uh, Rivera's fine. Um, Dodson's fine. This is probably the biggest test of his career, and the biggest question for Aldo is how would he look at 135? Listen, he wasn't Jose Aldo flying knee Cub Swanson, but he didn't look bad. And he still looked like top five in that weight class. And I could see a situation where he gives Jan problems. He connects on a couple leg kicks. Now Jan's hands aren't quite moving like they are. He's combat sambo, master of sport, and all of those things. If you're asking me who do I think is going to win, I would say Jan, but I don't feel heavily enough to pay the minus 230 or whatever it would be to bet him. So if you said, here's $10, go to the window, I'm probably putting it on Aldo. I think it's going to be that competitive of a fight. Yeah, and, I agree, uh, man. man. Jan's body at work. Jimmy Rivera, Uriah Faber, like, Aldo's been in there with Holloway, Connor, yeah. Edgar, Mendez. Like, I think a lot he's, of people, as he's you're felt, saying. He's felt Volkanovski's punch. He's felt right? Mendez. Like, Jan, who's, who's very heavy for 135, I don't think it's going to sting Aldo quite like it has some of those other guys like John Dodson, who's messing around at flyweight. So I think, I think all those going to make this fight very competitive. And I think for him, he understands the fortuitous nature of getting this booking. And he knows, man, you know, getting toward the twilight of his career, this is probably his last hurrah. If he loses here, he plummets down that ladder. Cause it, yeah. it's, it's just, just dogs behind him. So this is his shot. And it wouldn't surprise me. If, uh, if he has some, one more bit of magic left and we see it, and that, that, would, that could steal the show if he does something spectacular, Jose Aldo is back. You know, Anik, Anik should get that call ready because I think <laughs> it's a realistic possibility. Yeah, I would say he's back. I wouldn't say, like, you're looking at one of the greatest. I mean, if you're saying top 25, top 15, yeah, he is one of the greatest of all time. But – I, I need another fight after this. Like, this could have been Cejudo. This should have been Cejudo. Yeah. If he beats Jan and he beats him handily, maybe even finishes him, I, I still need to see him get one more against Sterling, who is doing, like, some – I don't know. He's, he's stepping in for to fight Frankie Edgar. He should just wait it out and fight the winner of this in the fall. But, yeah, I'm not ready to say he's uh, top ten of all time if he beats Peter Jan. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it, well, his – yeah, this isn't going to elevate his resume. His resume is what it is because of what he did over eight, nine years. But like you said, he's back. It's but like, I'm saying but okay. that, that, would be, that would be the call, right? That would be that, – because right. so much of this sport, it's, it's reality and then it's promotion. And sometimes those things intertwine, like with John Jones. And sometimes it's a little bit, it's a little bit inflated. Um, and I think with Jose Aldo, if he were to win – well, now, I mean, you put his face on a poster – and, you know, he's now the A-side against anybody. Like, 
he would be the A-side underdog against, you know, Aljamain Sterling. I'd be interested to see, but like, would he be against Frankie Edgar? No, because he beat him twice. Um, you know, there are so many, there are so many fun options in a bantamweight that it really opens up. Maybe you do the Marais rematch and say, you know, Hey, this guy, Jose thought he was robbed. He gets the belt and like all this, there's just, sto- it's replete with storyline. Whereas if Jan wins, it's not, it's not as much there in terms of just salesmanship. So that's why I say that, but I mean, but that, that would be the call for Anik, right? Right, right. Jose Aldo is back. You know, I'm, just, I th- I'm just envisioning it. And I think that's the perfect envision. I think that's the perfect call for the scenario. So uh, are you allowed to make picks for these three fights? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So who do you got and how? You could just list them off how, how you think. I'll give you a bonus one. I got Rose by decision. I think she's learned from UFC 237. Uh, I was there in Brazil and through five minutes, I'm like, masterpiece. And then you were there for that one, because of the Volkanovski, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And also, Brett, Brett couldn't go for something. So I worked for that both was, U.S. and Australia on that one. Oh, my gosh. Um, that knockout was but, nuts. Yeah, slam KO. First since, like, UFC 34 was it Carlos Newton. Um, wow. But, yeah, so uh, I like – it's crazy that Rose was the underdog in the first fight, right? Okay. Loses. And now <laughs> she's the two-to-one favorite in the rematch. But that's how great she looked in the first round. So I like Rose by decision. <laughs> um, I like – I like Jan. I like Jan by decision for pick. But again, value because you bet value, not the pick, right? If you gave me ten bucks and said go bet it, I like all the two to one odds. Is it going to be boring then? If you're going decision, is it a boring or is it a back and forth? How do you feel? uh, I think it's a very close fight. I think it's a very very close fight. But again, I'm I'm going to bore the hell out of you because I'm picking all favorites on this main card. Like I I like I I like Volkanovski because. What, what's going to change from six months? Like, I don't, think, I don't think anything is going to change from what we saw six months ago. I saw Fighter A put out something that Fighter B didn't have an answer for. And nothing's changed. And in fact, it's even more of a level playing field because both of these guys have had compromised camps. Like, Max says he hasn't sparred. The Zoom camps, right? That. The Zoom camps? Yeah. Max has said he hasn't <laughs> sparred. But I talked, to, I talked to Justin Papa the other day. And uh, he's fighting on the 25th. He's fighting um, Rafael Bebechao, this uh, oh, wow. just heavy-handed Brazilian heavyweight. Um, and he's like, Tafa's like, yeah, you know, I'm in, I'm in Brisbane. They haven't opened the gym. So I've just been sparring with my brothers in the garage. His brother, Junior Tafa, is the number 10 glory kickboxing heavyweight in the world. So sometimes these guys, the way they put things out there, mm-hmm. like, oh, I haven't been sparring. I've hardly been staying in shape. He's been... My, I've just been sparring with my brother. My brother, brother yeah, just <laughs> best heavyweight kickboxers in the world. Um, so, but I, I just back to the co-main. I think I don't think anything's going to change from what we saw uh, first time around. Um, and then I think in the main event, it's going to be the likeliest scenario is Usman just ragdolls him, and it's not a sexy fight. It's going to be like Woodley, or maybe maybe Masvidal has a moment. Maybe Masvidal cracks him and wobbles him, but Usman is so complete. I think we see that here. I was more concerned for Usman against Burns than I was for him against Masvidal stylistically. If I had to pick an upset uh, on the main card, I would go with Paige, honestly, above all of them, only because that chick doesn't get the, the credit for the toughness that she has. Last fight of her contract, and I think people are, people are forgetting her, and she knows it. I and know. if you look, at, you look at her fight against Rose Namajunas, she had ways to get out of that, and she went five hard rounds. People see her and they're like, oh, she's pretty. Like, she doesn't deserve to be here. She is tough as nails, that man. That fight was five like, rounds? 
Wow. Yeah, well, it was, it was the main event on, uh, on Fight Pass. Wow, so even she, more credit. Um, yeah, good job. Good I job. mean, she had the fight where she broke her forearm and finished the fight. Like, time and time again, like, this chick is in opportunities where she can quit or take the easy way out, and she doesn't. And I, I can see a scenario in which she outlasts Amanda Hebos, who, yeah, looked great against Mackenzie Dern or Randa Marcos, and she's yeah. the up-and-comer. But I think Paige, there's, some, there's something in me, I think she has a little bit of magic, which could be her last fight in the UFC. She might go to one. She might go... You know, she might, she, she's going to test free agency. Um, so I think if I had to pick one upset on the main card, I'd actually go PVZ. Are you not? Or actually, not... Well, I take that, I take that back. Because again, if I'm, if I'm betting the money, I'd set Aldo. So Aldo would be my one upset. 1A would be Paige. If, if I'm going to the window straight up, I would go all favorites and I'd still probably pick Paige. Are you, you said uh, Paige possibly to one uh, FC or one C? Well, I just, she, she said, she says she's going to test the market, right? right, right. Like, you but, know, she's, She's are you not allowed to like say Bellator? Are you not allowed no, to say, say Bellator? Okay. I can say Bellator. <laughs> okay. No, I can. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, yeah, prof- but again, like so, those promotions have been hit harder by the pandemic than the UFC. So it's a terrible time to be a free agent, you know, because like Bellator is canceling cards left and right. So all the organizations, like, you know, people are worried about like UFC Monopoly with, you know, and like all those things with, um, you know, fighter pay and unionization and all the words I shouldn't be saying, right? Um <laughs> Now more than ever, the UFC has more leverage in these other organizations because there's an old saying, I, I apologize if it's offensive, um, but it's in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. And yes. we're in the situation with nobody has, any, nobody has any money. Everybody's barely skating by. And so the, the organization like the UFC has taken a hit. Well, yeah. You're the man with one eye. It's a big eye. And so, yeah. and so they, have, they have the big deal with us for all the money. You can Google the value of it. Um, and so the fighters that used to have some kind of leverage where Scott Coker could be like, yep, come on over, Paige. Fight Alima Lay McFarlane. We'll put you on a main event in Hawaii and you'll make a ton of money and you get all the sponsors on your shorts and all that. Yeah, that was there six months ago. When is it going to be there again? I don't know. Um, and so that's where I think, you know, maybe, she, maybe the free agency plan may not go according to plan. But again, she has a couple streams of income that, that she's doing fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, I said all that to say, on her way out, we seem to have forgotten that Paige doesn't suck at this. And, exactly. and she's a lot tougher than people give it credit for. And I think Amanda Hebos is going to see that in the first fight. So I think, I think we might be in a situation where um, I could see her getting a win. Yeah, with uh, the way I pick fights, I just follow the money. Not the betting lines, but the, the storylines. <laughs> with the main event, man, if Masvidal wins, then we can get the Connor fight. We could get we could i don't know maybe get the khabib fight masvidal will have a ton of playing chips with the co-main event again follow the money trilogy fight trilogy fight obviously i don't want holloway to finish volkanovsky by like an early submission or a knockout obviously for his health as well he's a nice guy i've talked to him a couple times but the trilogy fight i think would be fantastic you mentioned zabit uh, Korean Zombie, Ortega. I think they're just a step below those guys. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the greatest of all time in the featherweight division. Why not settle it just like the heavyweight division with the trilogy? Uh, with the fight below that, follow the money. The A side, the underdog against Sterling would be Jose freaking Aldo. And I, you know, I think that's so. You're it. going, you're going underdogs for the top three fights. Follow the money. Follow the money. Dude. That's it, man. 
uh, PVZ, because if she wins, I want all fighters to have leverage. And if she's a free agent coming off a win in the UFC, I think she can negotiate even better with one or with Bellator. Believe it, I'm sure Coker would be like, well, you lost your last fight. Uh, I know we're still going to take you, but they would use every leverage they could, of course. So give her the money. And uh, what fight am I missing on the uh, – I named four. Andrade Namajunas. Oh, I love Andrade. He's great for the sport. Great story. Hell of a fighter. Ferocious takedowns. One of the craziest knockouts we've ever seen. Oh, Phil's going black on us. And Rose, <laughs> I followed the money. I would love to see her in that triangle with Li Zhang. And Joanna Young-Jacek, who she holds two wins over. I think those are the elite of the elite in the women's strawweight division. So there you have it. Rose, PVZ, uh, Aldo, uh, Masvidal, and Holloway just for the trilogy. Sorry, AU fans. Sorry. And how would you describe the region? Was I correct when I said Oceanic? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, don't, they normally don't go with Oceana. What's I mean, the word then? What's the well, I mean, it, that, that is the word. Um, you know, an, there's a, a military term called Anzac. Like, their Memorial Day is called Anzac Day. Okay. And it's been used in sport, but it's like, I don't want to say irreverent, but, you know, it's like, it's like you know, for military veterans. Um, but Australia, New Zealand, Australia, I mean, you know, New Zealand gets forgotten. They're like, New Zealand to Australia is like the, like the kid brother. Like, if the kid brother does something excellent, there are, you know, we're one in the same. It's us against the world. But in every, anytime they're against each other, whether it's cricket, rugby, whatever, soccer, um, they are, you know, at their heated rivals. But again, they understand just geography. Like they're sharing a World Cup bid for the women in 2023. Um, so it's like yeah. the Staten Island of the uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. That's well put. As soon as we get a UFC champion out of Staten Island, it'd be fantastic. But Phil, I swear, this is not the paid version of Zoom. This is supposed to cut off at 40 minutes. I believe we went over uh, 60 minutes. Again, thank you for the time. Apologize to Mrs. Murphy for me. And I just picked up a ton of baby clothes, man. We talked about this last time. I got a kid due, and uh, I'm standing on a, a pile of kid clothes right now. So uh, we got a ton of stuff ready for the kid. Beautiful. What uh, You're in week nine. How's it going, man? How are you holding up? great dude uh she slept through the night five of the last seven nights um so that's the big thing she sleeps a lot uh nice. we got the hours you're clocking she'll go to bed she'll usually sleep take a nap from like 7 to 8 30 and then she'll sleep from like 9 30 to like five or six uh, oh, wow. so not bad. yeah excellent 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 so she's so gonna we uh we work it out fantastic phil thank you again for the time brother i appreciate it of course buddy good talking to you Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.